highest level of analysis that the culture needs. Back as usual, your boy Jordan, Big Man Dave. How's it going, Dude, my guy? Are you yeah. back working now? Yes, I am. As yeah. of last night. Are you doing the long 24-hour shifts and stuff? Nah, not even. We don't have them in a, in our place. Um, oh. It's just it's just in the other places around Dublin, like like uh, uh, Malahide. I think Malahide and stuff like that. Just, not Malahide, sorry. Dun, I saw Blanchard. Dun, yeah, 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 yeah. In some place, yeah, yeah. Dundrum, Blanchard, no, yeah, they're doing, they're doing like... People still queuing up and all this mad shit. Man, it is like frantic like it's like yeah. it's like people people that i think the guards had to like intervene on people queuing up at like 4 a.m because you don't know like you don't know what's gonna go down at 4 a.m like it could be scraps and all like yeah i, I don't for understand what, bro like for what realistically like yeah like I, that's what i mean i don't understand yeah. this push i just like people really pressed to go get like i don't know yeah i don't understand listen there's that. multiple hills i'm willing to die on like i waited like I waited about 10 hours for Drake tickets a few years back. Like, there's hills I'm willing to die on, not retail. Like, yeah, not, no, I'm, no. Not, I'm not trying to die on any retail shit. That much, but, so yeah. you're back, you're, you're not, obviously you're not in quarantine anymore. You're back working. Nah. Bro, you ask me this every time. It's going to be a day of update for the rest of Trade the Backs tenure. You know, so, so, <laughs> wait, and your baby's back. You said your baby's supposed to be back in two days, isn't it? She's back. Oh, bro, we said all this on Saturday. Your life is your life is normal. <laughs> My life changes from day to day, bro. My life changes from day to day. How are you? Is the question. Ah, you know, I just took a few days off work, a couple of days off work. Bro, it's needed. It's yeah, needed. So it's just not even feeling ill. I just wasn't in the mood to be at work. It's this, like the routine is getting draining and mundane now. And I just need yeah. to kind of break it down, not go to work, run a few errands. And tomorrow, it's, I'm, I'm like going outside. I have cocktails and restaurants and everything booked again for tomorrow that's, the thing. Again. that's the thing mainly like i think for me as well just going back it was just the anxiety of stuff just being monotonous again and like you said the mundane of it going on and stuff like that and i know it's ringing towards the end of the year and we have christmas and stuff like that but it's just like i think i had one of them uh quarter life um existential crisis even though like yeah. I'm not even 23 for another 20 days or something like that. So I have one of them. Oh, Are you born on like Christmas Day around Christmas yeah, Day? Yeah, Christmas Day. Yeah, I'm 25th. Yeah, yeah. So Jeez, we're counting down as of now. Yeah, it's still a good few days. Yeah, about 20, 22 days, I'd say. Oh, also, yeah. so did you get you two presents or just a one? See, everybody asks me that, but it's like, it's standard, really. It's It's like... It's, yeah, it's essentially maybe a Christmas present, the odd time, or a birthday present. But I'd even say... More or less at this stage, the older I get, it's probably just the it's probably just the birthday present at Christmas. Yeah. So we can yeah. technically it can be for interpretation what the present's for. Do you know what I mean? But yeah, it's weird. It's just I put a lot of um, stuff into perspective, like kind of leading up to twenty three, because you see all them tweets like, yeah, you hit twenty two and then you die, and then that's it. Like your soul leaves, and then like twenty three is just walk one. Like that's the abyss. For me, but like you know, you boys have been true. Like I'll get advice off you, so yeah, no, it's, it's, I'm here. It's you know? I think it's like every year what well, happens to everybody. Whenever your birthday's coming up, people tend to get like really reflective and start to think about their life and like where it's going, what they've achieved this year, what they hope to achieve next year. Every year that kind of like think occurs in the people's minds. Yeah, yeah, you think you're like, oh, I really need to do something in my life or whatever. I don't know. I just think it's like it's easier said than done. But you take it a day at a time, a year at a time, and you just set your goals. If they work, they work. If they don't, hey, fuck it. Like, what, what yeah, can fuck it. Do? Yeah, yeah. It's young. Yeah, I can reformat, reset. Do you know what I mean? It's just it's just the pressure that's set. Obviously, you see people doing bits 
on Twitter, you see people doing bits on TikTok and all, and they're kind of like, you see in their bio, they're 22, 23, and you kind of, it's that false perception that kind of makes you put stuff into perspective, but like at the end yeah. of the day, and the, it's not a race, you know? Yeah, that's it. And I think sometimes it's like attaching people, like you said, in social media, the fact that people now attach their age with achievements as if it's like, if you buy your house at 25, for an example, or you buy a house at 30, at the end of the day, you bought a house, or if you graduate at 21 or you graduate at 23, at the end of the day, you graduated. So it's like that perception of like people tend to attach their age to their achievements. And on social media, you can look at your age and look at someone's and then look at their achievement to make you feel shit about yourself. But yeah. essentially, it does, it's like you said, it's not a race. But the funny, the funny thing about that is like they never rule out the idea that the pendulum could swing. And I never wish that on anyone. Like I never yeah. wish that like, yeah, your fortunes turn or whatever. But I think people like, throw all their eggs in this basket and it's like they never like leave out that element that the pendulum can swing like it was to say like that person that isn't doing bits at 21 does bits at 31 and you could go bust by 31 you know what i mean so it's just, it's exactly. just life humbles all of us because i see i yeah. see a guy in the gym now when we were younger it's like you know one of those guys that they do their stereotypes like he peaked in high school or peaked yeah, in yeah 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 i saw i see him in the gym and he was like he was the guy back then and he was a bit like i don't want to say you you know him if i said his name but like i don't want to yeah. say his name so like he was the guy back then and he was a bit of a dick a bit of an asshole and i was like hey but like his environment also gassed him you know something by breaking especially if you're known by somebody you think you're like everybody knows you because it's a small town and it was it was mm-hmm. smaller back then so the environment got him to believe that he was like some guy. And now I see him and you could tell like life has humbled him. He's like so yeah. genuine and so nice. He just taught like that aura of like dickheadness or assholeness around him is no longer there. And I like, I thought first, first when I first met him at the gym, I thought it was like a bit of a facade because I was like, I had a perception of a guy that I knew back then. Mm-hmm. And now I look, talk to him now. I'm like, yeah, life, like you said, the pendulum could swing. Life has probably at some stage just humbled him and made him mellow and calmer and realized that like all this popularity that he was having in Bob Riggin, in the grand scheme of things means fuck all. I mean, yeah, it's all, yeah, it means nothing like, you know, because I think everybody's entitled to have the same experiences and achieve the same thing. Basically, in short way of saying it, yeah, everybody's offered the same field on the table. Some people just might get it later, do you know what I mean? It's just... Mm. Yeah, it's 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 mad, it's mad, it's mad. This was supposed to be a sports podcast, you know. This was supposed yeah. to be a sports segment. We just <laughs> got into life. Yeah. yeah, this was supposed to be a podcast podcast. You we need that sometimes, though. That's the thing. You need yeah. that sometimes. Yeah, we started with a bit of entertainment, and we're going to talk about like entertainment and sports. So last week, Mike Tyson came back to fight Roy well, Jones Junior. Roy Jones Junior. Thank you yeah, very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And although I didn't watch that, the one I really want to talk about is the Jake Paul versus Nate Robinson. Because you saw a full, we saw a full-time athlete, NBA player, a dunk champion, guy in the NBA fighting a guy essentially that made his fortunes off YouTube, which is respectable, and he got knocked the fuck out, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's it's now a thing, cause and people say it's like, oh, this is bad for the sport, it's bad for boxing, and I'm on the I'm at the stage I'm saying, well, no, it's actually good for boxing that Jake Paul or. Nate Robinson are taking an interest in it because this is the most people that probably talked about boxing outside of the big fights. If the Anthony Joshua, the Tyson Furies, or the Canelo Alvarez is not fighting, nobody gives a fuck about boxing like that. Even if the Canelo Alvarez is a fighting, I don't even, I, I know his name, I, I rarely know his opponents. So I'm at the mindset that like it's actually good for the sport that you get people like Logan Paul, is that his name? Jake yeah, Paul. Jake, yeah, Jake Paul's the one that fought Logan Paul's the yeah. other brother that, that's fought a few times as well. Yeah, yeah, you get them both. 
Okay, yeah. If you're getting them too interested into the sport, I think it's good because it brings fresh eyes, new eyes. It brings new interest because the cloud now is in social, like it's, the currency is not the cloud. The currency is really in social media. And if you're getting these influence engaging in your products, whether it be sports or mixed martial arts, the KSI, the Logan Pauls, the Jake Pauls, it's good for the younger viewers and the newer viewers. I don't know what, what was your take on all this when you saw like Jake Paul fight Nate Robinson? Well, I, 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 don't, I don't really invest as much interest into it, I'd say. But it's mad, though, because I remember the KSI and the Logan Paul one. I was invested in, like, I was fully in there, like, watching the... Yeah, they sold out staples. Much. Like, yeah, I couldn't believe they sold out staples. But this one, yeah, I didn't really... It wasn't something that um, really, like, compelled me to stay up till, like, 3 a.m. No. and try watch it and stuff like that, because... Like, for me, like, the Nate Robinson and the Jake Paul fight, it's probably bracketed under entertainment more than anything, more than sport. Mm. It was, like, it was the, yeah, it was the pre-card probably for the, for the, for the Mike Tyson and Roy Jones, which would be considered the sport aspect of it. But, yeah, I think what's great about the celebrity fights is um, it just, it showcases um, how good their trainers are and how serious they take it. Because I think that's mainly what it shows, because, like, you had... Um, Nate Robinson, like, it, 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 like we've seen it before, like anybody Jake Paul's really fought. See, what Jake, the upper hand Jake Paul has is anybody he's fought thinks he can't fight. Mm. So they mm. don't train as much or they don't put enough time into fighting. So he fought, uh, he fought Deji, um, KSI's younger brother. And like, to be quite frank, Deji did not train well enough for it. Like Deji did not like, I don't know, see the seriousness in it. In, 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 a, in a sort of fight like that. And he didn't train for it. He showed up. He wasn't really in shape. Putting it quite frank. Um, he fought this guy called Gib. I don't know if you know the YouTube scene. I think his name Gibby or whatever. Anderson Gibb or mm-hmm. something like that. Fought him. This guy didn't train at all either. So really he's been planting these guys. Because these guys think he can't fight. And it's no different with the Nate Robinson situation. Because with the Nate Robinson situation. Nate Robinson wrote him off too. And his idea was. Okay I've been a, I'm an ex basketball player. I can just go pure athleticism on this guy and he won't know how to mm-hmm. do it. Like, like not bearing in mind that uh, I've seen something like actually Nate Robinson's not even in the 6'4". He's yeah, he's not 6'4". He's under 6'4". Jay Paul's a 6'4". So that should be your first concern, right? Like, despite the fact I'm on paper the basketball player, this guy has more size on me. So I need to train harder and probably be more um, tactical about it. When really, uh, Nate Robinson's whole technique was just duck your head and drive. And it's just like, like what, what, what are you going to earn out of that? Except yeah, I, I think like they, it was just like, I, I'd probably say Nate Robinson looked at himself as a basketball athlete and he looked at Jake Paul as like yeah. some white boy. Yeah, like, yeah. This, this, this white boy too. Sorry. And I was like, yeah, I, I can beat this white boy with ease. And I, which is, which like, cause they like Snoop, Snoop said it best in the commentary. You don't play fighting, you play basketball. You don't like, and Jake Paul is obviously taking this serious to an extent because he's, interested he trains well he trains hard and i watched i went to like onto his fucking and he's not bad yeah i went to his instagram he's and i was watching bad, like i was like yo this guy has the muscle memory like max kellerman said the best on first take he said you could tell with his training his muscle memory is there he just knew where to hit how to move and what to hit to hit and for the fact that like this con this is making first state debates and it's this is essentially a youtuber and an nba player i don't know if that's like good for boxing or bad for boxing that if it's not like your elite of your elites fighting, nobody's really paying attention. Whereas you can get an undercard on an exhibition card 
on on the final exhibition card with fucking Jake Paul and Nate Robinson, and they're getting first take debate with Stephen A. and Max Kellerman. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I don't know what that does for their sports. I think I think I think a way to differentiate how you can do that in boxing and how you can do that in uh, UFC is just the fact that like boxing like requires probably a few months to train and a few months of understanding it, and you can box. You know what yeah. I mean? Where for me, UFC, that probably takes a lifetime of understanding, a lifetime of multiple martial arts um, in, your, in your arsenal. Do you know what I mean? Like, I, I, think, I think that's the difference mainly. But I think it's great because it is bringing, uh, it is almost bringing boxing, which people considered before to be a dead, it's slowly dying sport. It is bringing it back to the table now because yeah. there is big wagers involved. And like McGregor comes in and out of doing boxing now. Mayweather does it. Like all the celebrities do it. It's yeah, it's it's brought this new format to boxing, and I think I think it has like put it back on the map because you are gonna see boxers now that see that there's money in it now to come back yeah, and you know exactly. boxers that are retired. So that's the thing, man. boxers are probably gonna want to fight celebrities more than they're gonna want to fight actual boxers because Canelo fighting someone on the undercard, like so if Canelo fighting the top five guy in boxing, we probably don't know who, who it is after Canelo. Whereas if Canelo fights a name like Nate Diaz, who is not even like top ten in the UFC, but he's just a, he's more of a celebrity now because his stocks go. So the only the, the danger the only danger is that some, because the money is a sports like you're saying, KSI and Logan Paul sold out the Staples Center and they're celebrities. So if, if I'm in the business of making money, I would look at that as like why would I fight an actual boxer when I could just have an exhibition, quote unquote, exhibition match. Well, I think that's the direction it's going. I think Eddie Hearn's yeah. seeing that. I think I think all the promoters are seeing that. I think the boxers are seeing that themselves. Like it's not gonna be long before we hear Anthony the Joshua running it like this, like like calling him yeah. KSI calling. We're gonna see AJ and KSI in the next three years. Mark my words. We're yeah, gonna see yeah. him fighting a celebrity because that's the direction it's gone now. But what celebrity fight would you like to see though? If you could like <laughs> if a celebrity two celebrities were about to fight. Oh, uh, I'd like, like to see Charlemagne versus Joe Budden. Oh, okay, we're going global. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going box office. Because I was thinking someone like... Nah, oh, that's a good I was thinking drillers fighting each other or something. Bring it to the UK. <laughs> nah, like, that's anything that would be... In, but maybe that would just be entertaining within the black community, not really. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm feeling like it. Because Bugsy, yeah, Bugsy can, can fight. I'm thinking put Bugsy against another driller or a grind man. Put like, Chip in the ring. That guy is always dissing niggas. Put Heady One and Tion Wayne in a Dude, ring right we now. We can come up with the whole character. Right now. <laughs> I can do this for days, Jordan. Like, I can do this for days. They, like, that's a, look how much interest and intrigue this has. And these are not even boxers. But if I named you, if I told you, let's pull uh, like Triple G versus someone you wouldn't even like know who they are sorry phone call. Well, like if yeah. whoever the next guy ranked is you'd be like yeah i don't care but if i told you tion wayne versus heady one you'd be it's like going straight to the top it's going straight <laughs> to the top straight to box office it's not, a thing. it's not at the same time it's not like disadvantageous for boxing because we don't really care about your boxers anymore mm-hmm. or less. Not, but at the end of the day we don't care about technique it is just the whole entertainment value of it because like we were watching Logan Paul and KSI fighting last year we're like I'm just sitting back like yo oh, it's funny these guys can't actually fight yeah like um like he doesn't like KSI doesn't have any sort of paw I don't know I don't I don't know the technicals of boxing like he doesn't have a self paw he doesn't have any he just swings and that's the thing with Logan Paul. Like, Logan Paul looked the part and he posed well, but at the end of the day, he couldn't fight either. So I just think it's entertainment. Joe, we need, we need, a, we need Soldier Boy and Chris Brown. You know? We need to like, start that back up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we need to do the shit on Twitch. 
<laughs> when Which days in on Twitch. What I was saying it is like it's the it's the Vince McMahon model. Vince McMahon knew for ages that if you have a storyline and you create a beef like the WWE, it's eventually it's like he markets storylines and yeah. he markets and he sells the tools. Because without the storyline, there's like there's a build-up and there's a storyline. The reason that you want to see TM Wayne take on fucking uh Hedy Wood is because there's already a storyline there. Or, or what, what, the reason I'm saying Charlemagne versus Joe Budden is because the storyline is already there. It's yes, easy to make yes, yes. it. Whereas even Dana White does it to an extent. Like he'll use the, the Conor McGregor trying to bust the dolly at the bus that Khabib is in and he builds it up and he gets bigger and bigger. Whereas in boxing, sometimes that storyline quite isn't there. You're just getting Anthony Joshua to fight against David Parker from New Zealand. You're like, it's, luckily Anthony Joshua has star power. They actually want to watch him. But most yeah. of the time, it was like Provokin versus David Parker, who are like two top five heavyweights. But nobody gives a fuck because there's, there's no storyline. There's like, too much respect in it, too. Do you know what I need to see? Let's just get the silly talk out there. Do you know what I need to see? I need to see Kate Middleton and Meghan Markle on the undercard. Like, I need to see them scrap. And a, a, <laughs> and a Joe Biden and Donald Trump headline. That's, that's it. <laughs> that's all. I'm not even trying to analyze this that series. I, I just, you just ran ideas in my head now for days. This is the Vince McMahon model. Vince McMahon has done this for decades. He's so, and the funny thing is, WWE is literally sports entertainment, and everybody knew we were fake. It was fake. But he sold us stories. He sold us the beef. He let it marinate. Yes, he go on for months. He'll bring us to Royal Rumble and take us to WrestleMania. And then that's the, like, they, they come to, it's like, ah, oh, it finally came together. And that's what we fuck with. But yeah, it's, it's kind of it's gonna be interesting to see how boxing or combat sports in general. Like we're saying, it's this model now. If celebrities can make more money from fighting each other, or boxers can make more money from fighting celebrities, rather than fighting other top boxers, at the end of the day, you're in it to make money. Why would you fight another top boxer if you can like say, yeah, John to the Joshua fights KSI? And exactly, makes- and it's less risk as well. It's less risk. Like we see all these different rules and regulations being imposed, and like no knockouts, like not too many headshots, not like it's it's. There's, there's almost that parachute there, like that safety net as well when you go into these celebrities' fights because some of them are headgear, some of them are like... That's the maddest one I've seen in a, in, in a while, probably ever, the Nate Robinson and Jay Paul one where he planted them. Like, I thought that was the maddest hey, one. Because that was a private moment. And now he's like yeah. trolling him. On, like, I just saw his Anista is like trolling Nate Robinson. Hey, if you knock someone out, I guess you have the right to troll them. So like, if they want to, if they want to troll you back, put the gloves on, let's get to the ring and do it again. I guess. At the end of the day, like, like I, I'm a judge of character and I see, I see like, 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 uh, Logan, Logan, excuse me, Logan and Jake are these braggadocious guys. So like, what's going to make a difference to them if they, they fully knock out someone in a ring in front of thousands? Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's just moral of the story is, What's going to be Jake Paul's downfall now is that people know he can fight. Like, that's yeah. what it's mainly going to be now because, like, these guys also have a... They have a sporting background, too. I think, I think, I think Logan was, like, an All-American wrestler or something. And oh, okay. I think Jake might have went into it, too. So these guys are athletic, like, so... Mine is calling out Dylan Dennis and Conor McGregor. But, like, I don't, apparently Dylan Dennis is purely a wrestler because I've never seen... I've always seen, I always see Dylan Dennis tweet. I know he's in, in, in mixed martial yeah. arts. But apparently he's purely a wrestler and, like, they said his boxing is not on the level of uh, Jake Paul. That's even, that's like, that's what, like Ariel Alwani and Daniel Cormier. Those are people that are like within the MMA community. I was listening to their podcast and they both reckon that in a boxing fight, Jake Paul would beat Dylan Dennis and Dylan Dennis is in mixed martial arts. I was like, that was really interesting too. That was really high praise, but it could be that recency bias because you literally just saw him knock out somebody. Yeah. Victims, <laughs> big time, big time, yeah. big time. Like that's, that's yeah. something I'd have to see. 
away from the boxing, like we had tragic news again. It's just 2020 just keeps happening. One of the all-time greats, Diego Armand Maradona, passed away. And when these things happened, like with the Kobe, it was very sad because I could see in his next chapter of his life, he was embracing it. He was embracing fatherhood. He was embracing being there for his daughter. He was embracing being the elders that people come and talk to. Kobe was embracing that. And I felt on a personal level, because like recently I got into the NBA. So I've been watching videos of Kobe. I watch interviews of Kobe. His lips, his last, he did all the smoke. And I remember listening to all the smoke podcasts with my yeah, parents. Yeah, that's someone I listened then, to as well. A week after he passed away. And with Kobe, I felt like I was getting to know him. If that's like, it's weird to say, but it felt, if that's how it felt. It felt like I was getting to know this person because what it is with social media and podcasts is, they always say it, like you're in these people's ears for two hours a week. So these people feel like they're your friend. Like, I bet you if you met like the Joe Budden podcast crew, you feel like I know these guys. At yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was getting to that certain level with Kobe and I was like, I feel like I know him. Like, even if I didn't, I felt like I did. I felt like, nah, that's Kobe, but that's Uncle Kobe who takes Gigi. That was very sad. But Maradona, that intimacy, personally, wasn't there. But I could admire the greatness and I could see the greatness. And every time I see a video of Maradona, I'm like, no, obviously this guy was fucking great. And what even I admire Maradona for even more that he wasn't afraid to live life. He wasn't afraid to like, he didn't die wondering of what could have been. If man wanted to do coke on the pitch, he did coke <laughs> on the pitch. If man wanted to like play ball out, like it's a, if he said, yo, you know what? I'm going to ball out. I'm going to focus on football. We saw the World Cup 86. World Cup 86 is probably the most iconic World Cup ever because everybody talks about the hand of God, that goal against my, I can't, Personally, I don't, I can't picture another World Cup that's talked about as much as the 86 World Cup growing up all my life because of how great Maradona was in that run to Argentina's title. So what, what I'm trying to say is like that, although that intimacy wasn't there towards Diego Maradona, the greatness was obvious. And I, resp- I admire the greatness and I also admire the way he chose to live his life in the, in the manner that if I want to do something, I'm going to do it. He didn't die. I think Piers Morgan had a good tweet. He said, people said it's tragic, but it's not really tragic because a lot of people die wondering. Most would die wondering. But Maradona gave you that feeling like he didn't. He did what he, he wanted to do and he did what he felt he needed to do. He, like, he understood that he's here for a good time, not a long time. Mm. What were you going through your heads when you kind of said the Maradona? You probably said the bulk of it um, because mainly me, I'm, just, I'm always going to co-sign someone that like, lives life to the fullest. Maybe I wouldn't agree with some of his lifestyle, but like it's none of my business, really. Like, that's why he's a guy that's achieved so much in football, like, he's a pioneer of football. And I think, I think the reason why, like, I didn't feel any sort of um, not affection to him dying because I was, of course, sad, but like you said it best, like, I didn't feel like I knew him, I didn't feel like I could relate to him. It's because, like, Throughout his whole life, he was just so incredibly misunderstood. Like he was just misunderstood as a guy. Like, like, like I feel like one year the narrative would be like, like Maradona, some like shithead, and then another day it was just he's this great guy and everybody loves him. Like he was just misunderstood throughout his whole career, like his whole life. But like you can't take away what he offered, what he brought to football, and you know how how he just he just changed the game and he changed the style and he like he inspired people like. Like the people we see, like he inspired, like, like, you know, people we have in football now, like Messi, like stuff like Pochettino, all the Argentinian guys we have in football. Like he just, 
it was inspirational. So that's really all I have to say on it. Like, I don't have um, much else yeah. to say. Just, I guess there's not a lot to add to that. It, it, it's just in the manner that all the thing that came to my mind is like the whole topic of like this year has been mad and the whole topic of, like you said, he lived life to the wholest and it just brings you on the whole topic of like death and passing away. Mm. And when you, when you deep it, it's like, even your greatest icons and you can live and you can, you can live life to the fullest and you can live a mark on this earth, but it's just, there's no escaping it. And that was kind of the, what else comes to your mind. And it's like, yeah, when you start really to think about it, it gets sad, but in the fact of Marvin, I think we both, we both kind of covered it well, at least then you can admire someone who can live life to the fullest because it's not easy. We all would like to do that, but we all think of the consequences and the circumstances and, Although I don't agree with his lifestyle and a lot of what he did, and I wouldn't agree and I wouldn't recommend it, it's, ad, it's admirable. You, you want something, you go for it, and you do it, and then you deal with the consequences. Yeah, yeah. Not, at the end of the day, he's dead. All the things that he did really, they don't matter. They, they don't count anymore. You know, it's, he's, it's gone with him and it's passed for him. And I, I fair play to him because he didn't want, like, he never died really wondering what could have been. But that's how Diego Maradona. That's a big thing. We've been we've been up and down in this podcast. I know, I know, yeah. I know, I know. <laughs> this is supposed to be entertaining. Yeah, listen, like all we really have going on in sports for the people is that there's yeah, there's trade deals going on in the NBA. Um football seems to be in this shift that I don't think we notice on eyesight when we just watch football every weekend, but I feel like there is a shift in the politics of it and the whole games congestion and stuff like that. Like, I don't yeah. know if you, like, you want to... We'll talk about all of that as well, but I want to talk yeah. about the NBA first. Talk about the NBA. LeBron signs in a year extension. Yeah. 85 million, 85 million over two years. Do you think it's mad that they're giving him that contract? He's basically going to pay... They're going to pay him 44 million a year for his last year and he's going to be 38. Or do you think he and he's 36 now? Or do you think LeBron is so great that it's worth the risk? And AD recently also signed, just not recently, just there five minutes ago, signed mm-hmm. a five-year 90, 190 million yeah. deal. So they're kind of both set for, like for life. They're both set at the Lakers. It seems like they're going to be at the Lakers. The question is, you before we get to championship aspiration, do you think then it is wise in a cap league for them to give a 36-year-old a two-year extension worth 85 million? It's not a 36 year old, bro. It's LeBron. <laughs> that's the, that's the simple answer. Like 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 we can we can put it. Yeah, it's a it's a 36 year old. No, it's LeBron. So sure answer. No, no, no yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a, that's a built different 36 year old. <laughs> no, that's e- e- easy answer. Easy answer. No, no that's true. I think you cash in because he literally two months ago he not even like in fucking October. So a month ago at this stage he played at such a high level. Even if he drops off, he's not going to drop off much this year, I, I reckon, because I don't see you going from finals MVP in October and not getting injured, like Byron injury. I don't see you going from mm-hmm. final MVP and not being a top five player the following year. So even in the next two, three years, by the time he's 38, he'll still be a 20 points player. He'll still get 15 assists. Like I think, I think every franchise's downfall, if you, if, you, if, you, if you look at the history of it, is they always try to rush the rebuild. When yeah. I personally think, if the rebuild doesn't have to happen, if you can hold off the rebuild for another year or two, which I think the Wizards are doing right now, then like, why, why, why force the rebuild early when you can yeah. sustain success for another year or two? That can make such a difference. Yeah. Before we get to the Wizards now, AD obviously signs a five-year deal as well, and he's 27. So him and LeBron are basically locked in. They'll be the cornerstones of that franchise, the Lakers, for the next 
five, well, five years and LeBron will be 38 and we'll see where LeBron is at 38. Like you said, not all 38 are built equal. LeBron at 38 who paid two million a year to take care of his body. So his 38 could be the average person's 32, for example. So my question is like, how many titles do you think they win or rings do you think they win in that span? Barring no injury and everything, obviously staying healthy. The Lakers with the AD and LeBron locked um, well, it just—I—I I, I think it's—it just depends what other franchises do around them, because I think mm. the, I think the easy answer for me, for me to say would be okay if LeBron has a, two more years there, they'll win two more rings. But that's the easy answer. Like we kind of have to uh, remain observant mm. about what the Nets do now, like what the Clippers do, how other teams move in in the league. So, yeah, easy answer. Um, would be yeah they probably win two more but we'll have to see we'll have to see what the books do as well yeah no, I think I think they definitely repeat this year I think they I don't repeat know, this like, year yeah like I'm looking at the landscape and I'm looking at the trades that they've made they've got Montrez Harrells in they got Dennis Schroeder who are both six man and uh, runner up six man of the year mm-hmm. last season and then they got Marcus who can defend and I can't remember the last person they got in on their trade but it was a good trade so. I think the, the trades that they've made, they're actually better this year than they were last year in terms of overall talent. But like we, we don't know if the, how it's going to mesh together, but sometimes I think LeBron is like overwhelmingly talented that whatever you put around him, it just makes it work. So yeah. I think they definitely repeat this year. And then next year we'll see, because if they're hired and stays the Houston and LeBron repeats and KD doesn't get the ring next year, I'm not surprised if next year Harden is like, look, I'm taking my talents to the Nets. I, I still don't think... I think it might still happen, you know. Uh, I think after that John Wall trade, I don't think it happens. I think, yeah. which, like, which, what do you think? I think that was the weirdest trade I've ever seen because for me, Wall and Westbrook are the same player. They're both athletic point guards who don't shoot well and rely on explosiveness and athleticism and they can't stay healthy. And they traded one for the other. It's like, it's like oh, that's Spider-Man. And they're both on the same contract, by the way. Yeah, and they're both on mad contracts. So it's like that's Spider-Man. The exact same contract. Yeah. One is pointing at the other. So I'm just like, yeah. You didn't really, it's like, oh, the magician was like, uh, they say you didn't really do anything. And it's like, I know. So I don't know what to make of that whole trade. People go mad about him. Like, it's, you traded it's the same player, the exact same player. Yeah, no, essentially, like, it, it, it's all part of, um, I think, I, I think, I think, uh, I think the Wizards are trying to hold off a decline as well. And it's the same thing. What they're really aiming for, yeah, is to, is to basically hold off that rebuild. And I think, there was some stuff going on behind the scenes. That's why I'm telling you that, like, it is very likely that they lose Harden and um, Westbrook in the same summer because they lost a few coaches. I was reading something here. Let me scroll up. Um, where is it? Who's part of the coaching staff? Yeah, they lost. Uh, this came after the Rockets moved on from uh, Mike um, D'Anthony. While general manager Daryl Morey resigns and takes over the Sixers, so that's a big factor in like what's going on. There's a, there's a there's an unsettlement in the actual uh, Rockets roster, and I think Harden is proper trying to force the trade, so you can't rule that out happening. But in terms of what the Wizards are doing, um, I think it's a win in the Wizards' part because it does hold off their decline for another while. Like they still have they still have Beal there to partner up with Westbrook. And um, I think Westbrook just wants to go back to a setting where he can be the primary player mm. and he can be the ball dominator. He, he's the go-to guy. He makes everything tick. And I think that's just really what he wants. I don't know yeah. what benefit Rockets get off of uh, getting John Wall because he just came off a cruciate ligament, ligament injury. 
So and before that, he did his no, he did it came off his Achilles, and before yeah. that, he did his yeah, yeah, so he's been yeah. out for two years. <laughs> it's mad. This, it's mad. This is a player that you rely on to because of his athleticism and his uh, his explosiveness, and he's came off two years of injury, so that's the kind of thing. And the, the NBA starts in like two weeks, three weeks rather. That's oh, that's a quick turnaround. Like you know, yeah, and I'm seeing statistically like players that come off. Uh, Players that come off Achilles, that's considered obviously one of the worst injuries in basketball, mm-hmm. same in multiple sports. But yeah, I saw, I saw statistics like, like obviously Kobe never came back the same after, yeah. after his Achilles injury. Uh, uh, Brandon Jennings didn't come off of his and, and, and Chauncey Billups. Like these are guys that like never really came back and recovered. So yeah. truly. So, and it's, it's like, I also, like that same statistics I was watching on Disputed and Chris Broussard did make a point. He said like those players were like 34, like, uh, Kobe was 34, fucking Chelsea Billups was 35 when the Achilles happened, and to take a year off and to come back at 36, and Kobe played such a volume, and Kobe's game was not explosive, but it was quite a lot of movement. Whereas Katie's like a slick assassin; he doesn't mm-hmm. really, he's still gonna be seven foot. He's still gonna be a great shooter. I'm actually very curious. Katie, Katie's one of my favorite players in the NBA. People always t- tell me like, how do you have LeBron and Katie as your favorite players? I'm like, it's like I just respect Katie's game. No rules. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I just, too, so there's no rules. So much. Like, I, it's going to be interesting to see how he comes off his Achilles because his game and, like, say for example, John Wall's game, they're different. One gets to the rim and is explosive and he's quick, whereas Katie's like a slick, gets to the elbow, gets to the three points, gets to the rim. Anywhere around the perimeter, yeah, prolific. Puts it all on the offensive end. Well, who's going to be MVP? My MVP is. Bro, these are hard chances. Like I don't even know who's gonna be. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go for Luka Doncic or Luka. Yeah, Andy. maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe Luka Doncic. I say Ja Morant has a has a great and Tyler Hero have great second seasons. Yeah, and I think I say, say, say be Luka. I say be Luka. Yeah, Giannis and um, probably LeBron. Yeah, this uh, this season is gonna be as good as like many other seasons, and we'll probably have another sports episode before the NBA starts in the next. Yeah weeks and we'll probably have a better more rounded answers and think about it you brought up something and it's been a topic of the bank lately and it's about the fatigue and the rest and the essentially the congestion of fixtures and club had a one v one versus the broadcaster des kelly where do you stand on what did you listen to it or did you see anything i just listened to the debate and it was mainly cop was trying to spin it on the interview like it like it like there's a media influence yeah in the, in the fixtures and like that's all it's all kind of stuff we, we we're we don't know it sounded like it was something cop was trying to expose really but i i wouldn't i wouldn't be too i wouldn't be too aware if it is like do you think personally it's, it's a media influence on, on I think they, well, when someone broke it down to I think uh, I listened to them Gary Neville on Monday Night Football talking to Jamie Carragher about it yeah. and the way he broke it down is like he was a player and he also played Wednesdays Wednesday Saturday mornings and he says for some reason playing Wednesday Saturday morning compared to Wednesday 3 o'clock it just felt different where be, and it's only two and a half hours difference he says it felt different, like being up earlier on a Saturday, eating, trying to eat past that nine, it never felt great to go from Wednesday to play Saturday yeah so he agrees with Klopp on that aspect and like it's not good for the players. Mm. But the point that he made is like this is not a decision that's predominantly for the player. It's a decision that's financial. When we get the half 12 kickoff in other markets, let's say China, that's their late kickoff. That's a six o'clock, seven o'clock game on a Saturday. 
So that's when they get around, get a few beers and watch that game. And the FA, the Premier League gets so much money, which is the money that they use to share the revenues between clubs from those markets like China and the US to broadcast those games. So they need to broadcast those games at half off. Okay, the debate is like, why does it have to be Liverpool or United? Because abroad, those are the teams with the best players and the best and the biggest fan bases, like United, your Liverpool, your Chelsea, and your Larson, you see, whatever, the top six. Yeah, yeah. So it's BT by themselves, they pay 9.2 million per game for the halftime slot. So of course they want the most viewers globally to tune in to that slot. Do you know what I mean? Because they're paying, they're paying 9.2 million. So for Klopp to just say, don't put us on that slot or don't put any Champions League on that slot, he has a point in terms of like fatigue and protecting the players. But financially, if you take away the big team from that slot and you tell all the owners, we just, if we're not going to, okay, we won't play use at that time, but we've got to take away some of the revenue. They won't agree with that either because it's a business also. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I do agree with, with his sentiment in the sense that Tuesday, uh, Wednesday, Saturday, curly kickoff, it's not good for the players. It's not good for the muscles. But for the fact that it, it generates the most revenue, that slot, that kickoff slot, it generates the most revenue across the world. Because if, if I'm BC and I'm paying 9.2 million for that slot, I want the best teams to be there because I want them as viewers. He says, why would you, why would you not put them on Saturday at 8 o'clock? For example, Dave, Saturday at 8 o'clock, that's when you have plans with the missus. That's when you're, you're doing things with the boys. People yeah. have lines like Saturday at 8 o'clock, most people people are out and about and doing something different. You know what I mean? Unless the X Factor or something, when that was on, that was the thing. So my take on it is like, although I see where Klopp is coming from, and I agree with it, because especially this year, the congestion, because Chelsea were playing, the, Chelsea played Saturday, and they played yesterday, and they played again Saturday, 8 o'clock. And I was like, too, and they play again next Tuesday. And I'm like, okay, that's too many fixtures. So I agree with him with the congestions. But Gary Neville, after I listened to Gary Neville, and he made a point about the way, where it is, how it is financially and the financial aspects, I can understand why BT or Sky or the broadcasters would want to show their games at that slot because you generate the most revenue. Or the alternative is just take the revenue back from the clubs and you know the clubs don't agree with that. Yeah. No, that you broke it down there basically. So Yeah. That's kinda that's kind of what the that's Kelly, but I think he's he's angry then because it was misdirected. Like I don't know what he wants to do to like you, I don't know what he wants Des Kelly to do. And like he's saying, congratulations to Des Kelly. I was like, if I was in Des Kelly's place and your man said congrats to me, like if this vaccine now comes out and people are like, ah, Jordan, congrats on the vaccine, I'm like, oh, girl, like I don't care. Like, yeah, it's not, yeah, it's nothing to do. I'm just, I'm just an employee at the company. Like, I don't make yeah. this decision. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And the other aspect is like, I know he's been saying it repetitively but it only sticks out do you know when you like you could say something and it'll be like people will probably won't listen and because it's after like he dropped points for example it looks it looked salty that like he got into a verbal with him that, that's, that's, the, that's the thing with Klopp like Klopp, Klopp's the nicest guy in the world like when he's winning and then he's he just turns into this like prick when he's when he's losing like that's that's just it with Klopp like yeah but I don't know like it's 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 smart because it's like 30% more injuries and I'm, I'm low-key saying that with all these injuries and the way this league is going, I think this, is, this league title is more open than people think. If Klopp's players... And you have to, people also have to understand, over the last three seasons, 2019 or whatever, 2018, 
maybe it was 2000, yeah, 2018, he made a Champions League final and he made it, he like, he was challenged for top four. So he played like 60 games that year. 2019, he won the Champions League and he took City to essentially the last game of the season to win. In 2000, last year, he won the league and he took one final Champions League. So Liverpool have played a high volume of games themselves in the last three years without really rotating their players like Mane, Salah, Firmino, Van Dijk, Dave, and Jordan Henderson. They essentially play every game. So I know he's saying, I was like, it's fixture congestion problem, but it's also, it's just an accumulation because the style, the style of football Liverpool like to play, the high press, the running down the channels. If you play that style of football for three years straight and you're playing at a very high level over 60 games. My only, my only thing is a lot of it's isolated incidents though. Like a lot of it is, it, it's not in relation to how they play or, or, mm. or how, like the, how frequent they play. It's, it was like when you saw the Van Dyke injury, that was something that was mainly... Freaking. Yeah, Jordan Pickford was at fault for when, mm. when, when Joe Gomez got his injury. That was on England duty. So I think, it's, I think it's more coincidence, but I get the point he's trying to put across because I think there's more of a drop in quality with the fixture congestions than we are seeing mm. with injuries. So I think it's just something that needs to be revised. Yeah, no, I, I, I think... And then the other side is, like, I don't know where you stand on this three subs or five subs kind of debate whereas the, the smaller clubs are saying it's like because yesterday i put up a tweet and chelsea made a change in the match and they brought on like mount ziek and Werner or something and i put up a tweet and i'm like that's unreal depth they can bring that off your bench and and that's the villa fan dean said to me he's like that's why small clubs won't allow for it to be five subs because you could be drawing nil all at home to chelsea at sheffield wednesday Sixty a minute, they throw on like yeah, this yeah, absolute. And they throw on like all these five subs. So what? What's your stance on this three versus five subs? Oh uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm to agree with Dean because yeah, it's 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 the same thing. Like like, what's the point in your your Aston Villa, for instance, and you're you're playing against Chelsea and you're fighting up until the sixty a minute to earn a point or even three points, and then they just bring on this whole Galactico bench. They're all gonna follow the whole the same format as Man City. Basically, just have a world-class starting eleven, but then also have a world-class bench, and I think that's gonna. I think that's gonna widen the gap between the the top six, the top six club, and the the rest. So your stance is more because I was like after I listened to Klopp, and I was like, if there's there's a, like we're talking about the fixture congestion, and what is the alternative if? you can't not give the, if if they have to play in that slot like not they have to but if the corporations and the broadcasters need them to play in that slot because they need more viewers and more advertisement money etc so you need your big teams to play in that slot the alternative is you could rotate before the game you could change you could change your players but mm. then how do you keep up with like the say whatever that's up to them to decide or if you give the, because Klopp said the reason he wanted more subs is not that like to bring, like maybe he's bullshitting, but it's not like to add more quality on the pitch. It's that he could see Robertson play for internationals. He's played three games and it's a 78 minutes. Like he doesn't need to be out there. I've made three subs. I could do it to protect my players and to help them because a lot of the injuries is like muscle, 30% of injuries now have been muscle injuries. So his point of view was like, Chris Wilder, he's saying that so the big clubs can gain an advantage, but the big clubs play 60 games a year where Chris Wilder plays 40. So we're more aware of protecting our players or we want to protect our players most from fatigue and muscle injuries even more. So do you, there has to be a common ground where it's, if you're going to have this many fixtures and you're going to have to play at 12 o'clock, should you not then allow them 
the advantage of resting players on match day for example, and taking them off. If you're 3-0 up, you could, the point is you're making this right. You could be nil on and bring on five subs and change the game. But you could also be 3-0 up against Sheffield. You've made three subs. I don't need Tammy Abraham to be out there anymore because he's played three games in three weeks. Oh, he's played three, uh, three games over the last week, but I can't even take him off because I've made all my you subs. Use, you, use subs yeah. Yeah. you could also have the game one at 3-0 up. And you're like, okay, we're training up. We have another game Tuesday. We've played last Tuesday. Tammy's been on for, he's played those two games. He doesn't need to be out there, but you can't afford to take him off and protect him. Or is that, or do you just think Klopp is making excuses for what's happening to him? No, I'm to agree. There has to be some alternative made. Like, is there, do you remember that rule they had in the Premier League where your team got fined if you made drastic changes to the eleven? Oh yeah, remember like Mick, that? Yeah, like Mick McCarty got it. Mick McCarty got it for, or or we got it for playing a completely new eleven against Mick McCarty's Wolves. Yeah, Did, is that still is that still in place? Because I feel like that's still in place. I don't know. That's true, you know, because I never see a team drastically change their whole like you do in a career mode. You just flip your whole eleven. I never see. That's a team so stupid that that thing. How are you gonna tell a manager what team to pick? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. So everything the Premier League has imposed at the moment is set up for injuries and it's set up for for fatigue and over congestion when they could really yeah um you could find some middle ground with the five sub rule and i think i think i think yeah i think teams need to look into that maybe just changing their whole yeah, like, i could understand why dean being an aston villa fan i could understand why he thinks that like we could be in the game against united we could be well in this and they can bring on like van der beek they can bring on cavani and Martial off the bench but still have the option to bring on like two more players if it's really not going their way and that's i can understand if i was an aston villa fan, like, bad example understand. bro villa are still winning <laughs> <laughs> villa are still winning in that scenario that's a bad example go back to chelsea please <laughs> That Champions League game still fresh in my head. <laughs> so I can't understand that frustration from a smaller club, but I also understand what Klopp is. Or Gary, actually, Gary never said this, or maybe it was Jamie Carragher says the alter- The flip side is, what if you have the game wrapped up and you need to rest players, or you've you've lost the game? What if you're three 0 down with twenty minutes to go? And you're like, you know what? Fuck this. Let me take off my players and keep them fresh for the next game. It could be also the like it's it's. People are always thinking about it in the terms of like, oh, you could use it to win a game, but the game could be won. Like yesterday, Chelsea were three 0 up against uh, Sevilla. Mm-hmm. The, the game is won. We're like, bring on Billy Gilmore, rest Kante. That's what we're saying. Because it's not like we're doing it then to try to win the game. We're trying to make those changes to preserve players and rotate players. It's like take off Giroud. Do you know what I mean? The yeah. alternative, the flip side. I do understand where the fans of like, quote unquote, smaller clubs will be frustrated with the rule that like oh bigger clubs have more depth because they do and they have more resources and like you said you made a good point you could just fill your bench knowing that like everybody will get a game and you can essentially change five players it is they have to find an alternative to rest the players because now they'll go into their euros burnout england will go out in the last round of 16 they'll be telling us the players retired from the season <laughs> maybe like, maybe the alternative is you can only have if you have five Oh, that's a tough one. On your yeah. pitch, you, have, you could have five players in five different positions or something like that, or you have to have two two academy players on the bench. Maybe that's the only way they can balance. That could be an alternative. That could yeah. be like you have two like three or two of the subs have to be like yeah. should be academy players. Yeah. That oh, it's like the English player regulation. I think they might bring in like a youth player regulation to the bench, maybe. And Gary Carragher made a good point. He says, like, because the thing is every other country in Europe is doing it except for England. Yeah. So 
he said, so is everybody else is wrong and we're the one that's right? And I was like, yeah, that's like, <laughs> but you know, they're like, because I just thought about it now, as I said that, yeah, because I think as well as that, I think they do want to try to protect young players too, because you're not, you might not get young players break through if teams are just signing, uh, just signing this absolute super squad, you know what I mean? So I think they might have to, that's how they might have to balance it. That's actually a good point, that like, if you make the three, so two of them have to be academy products. So yeah. then you can, if, if it's about a resting thing, rest them, like put on Liverpool, for example, okay, you can put on Curtis Jones. Yeah. You yeah. really want to rest your midfielders, put on Curtis Jones. You've made your three subs, and Curtis Jones has to be the academy products has to be, and it'll be good for England because then academy players will. You should you should suggest that to one of the listen, listen, listen. <laughs> That's probably the best alternative or the best idea I've heard regarding that whole situation. But we shall see. And your boys again. <laughs> I think. Ole beats RB Leipzig whenever he needs a win, he wins. Yeah, yeah. In terms of the Champions League, I think I think we'll get a result there of um, yeah. of Leipzig. I think the rest of the month is just inconsistency and vibes for the next month. And the thing is, it's like you said earlier, it's like not. It's kind of up in the air who really wins the league. So it's annoying too because I think it's the one year we get our act together. Like we can put on exactly. a title. Challenge. That's the thing. Because yeah, with the injuries yeah. happening in Liverpool, City for some reason, some days they look like world beaters and other days they just look like, who the fuck are these guys? That's yeah. why Spurs look really good right now because it's there for the taking. I, I keep saying it to my friends. I'm like, we're looking at the Premier League, but I feel like it's there for the taking if a team can just stay consistent. And because if Kane and Son keep firing, I don't, there's no reason why they wouldn't be in the race come March or April. As because if Liverpool's injuries keeps happening, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah, and 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 I do. I think I think I think the difference now while we're seeing Spurs at the at, at the top challenging now, it's just it's a change in attitude. Jose's brought in, and it's just the organization he's established now with the whole yeah. team of just understanding what's each player's best attribute. Like like we wouldn't even clock that Harry Kane was a creative mm. at all. Like so, he's just bringing out these players' best attributes. Like. And the, the fact that he, because he has Europa League games, it's easier for him to rotate because his, the level true, of competition is true, true, not true. great. Yeah, he's playing Ludogratz every Thursday and shit. So, yeah, yeah. Is, yeah. Whereas if you have like RB Leipzig and PSG in your group, they're respectable teams. So you can't go in there and just rotate completely. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Whereas we play like Ludogratz at home. Why would he, he can rotate yeah. and rest the players and he's playing like Harry Kane can play once a week. Son can play once a week. And he can focus on that until February. That's advantageous for him. But you say that, then you look at Arsenal, who have lost fifty percent of their game and are linked with salary now. <laughs> and I think I think that too. I think Jose is willing to sacrifice the Europa League if he sees a title charge coming now. So I was I was saying I was like I would quietly want to be there and thereabouts and see where you are after like February or March. If you're in there. Scoffer, because yeah. right now it's only 10 games in because people were like obviously when Chelsea played Spurs people were saying oh you're at home it's a poor result I'm like it's a poor result if there's 10 games left and you're running out of games and you need to beat them yeah but 10 games in just take the draw keep the momentum going and move on these are not defining results yet this stage of the season a draw in November nobody's remembering like Exactly. The only thing you could do is like be like Arsenal. You could be out of the race in November. Like there, you could be out of it. Like Arsenal are no longer in it. Like, yeah. <laughs> but you can't really win it in November. You just have to stay there and thereabouts. See where you are around the Christmas time, and move and move. And one last thing I wanted to touch on is like the fall. Like 
next week we could potentially see United, Inter uh, Milan, and Real Madrid out. And I was saying it to my friends. I was like, the overall quality of European teams outside of Bayern Munich, it's not that high. Like outside after Bayern Munich, I can't really think of a European team. The next two European teams, elite ones, are probably in England. It's probably Liverpool and Man City. Yeah. After the Bayern Munich, the quality overall around Europe is very low. I don't know how well, you Barca, see it. Barca and Real Madrid lose every week, and I don't think anybody's noticing. I know. Like, like they <laughs> lose every single week. It's just everybody else loses in the league, so they're still in, like, top four contention. But I think even, like, uh, I, th- I think Atletico are flying this year, and I think, I think another team, another surprise. Real Sociedad with David Silva. Yeah, Sociedad is flying as well. Like, so, and Real Madrid have to play Atleti on the weekend. And like Joe Felix is on fire, Luis Suarez is on fire, and Zidane is actually like, oh, these guys, these guys got spun by Shakhtar twice. The Shakhtar manager came out and said in the first leg at the Bernabeu, he says, no, nah, I think we can beat these guys again. Because there's just the core right now of Madrid is actually rotten. And that's why I, I don't think we ever highlight that Zinedine Zidane is a bad man manager. Yeah, he has elite players. Like he's one of those managers that's good with good players. Like, if you give him an elite player, maybe because he was an elite player, when you gave him, like, Ronaldo and Benzema and all them lot, he was good. But now that he has to, like, get the most out of, like, Vinicius or Rodrigo or the talent, he has to, like, extract his talent and make them play good football, he is flopping. And I'm, if I'm Pochettino, I'll wait for that job. <laughs> ah, nah, yeah, yeah, no, no. My, Poch- my Pochettino twerk has completely changed from two weeks ago. I think any day now he's getting announced for that Madrid job. <laughs> like honestly like because i only know that that's that's just an observation i made one of those it's like and it's not even as defenders i'm like zidane always beefs his attackers so i'm thinking maybe is that a whole like ooh, why can't you do it like i did it and all you know what we always yeah. say with former player managers like that's the do you ever see that video of Henri coaching yeah. That, uh, yeah that's literally what i think zidane does be doing i think he's sitting there like isco why did you not catch it from 60 yards and like yeah. I think that's what this don does be doing on the sideline and then just drops them down for about 10 games because i'm like how does he beef all his attackers he's beefing all he's only not beefing tony cruz because that guy's a robot like he beefs all his other attackers like it's mad it'd be interesting like if i I just want to see what happens if they fall into Europa. I just, I, I just want to see. Funny. I don't think I've ever seen Real Madrid in Europa League like that. I don't think it's happening. Like I think last time it happened, we were like, oh, maybe in like in the nineties or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. That, that'd be mad. That'd be mad. That's not new territory for us anyway, or Inter. But yeah, that's that's that'd be mad to see a Real Madrid. I, I think yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, and even in Italy itself, like Sassuolo are leading the league, or AC Milan and Sassuolo are for Italy, for the, like they're the ones leading the league. And there's just the overall quality in Europe right now compared to previous years. It's just at an all-time low. Bayern are the only team that I could say that's like it's a, it's like it, I would be like okay, Bayern are better than everybody. Clearly, after that, I think everybody else is pretty close between each other. Like yeah. I think. And everybody could beat each other. If you told me to pick between like Spurs and Atletico, I wouldn't be able to pick. I'd like, guys, it's a coin toss between most clubs in Europe after that. I think they're outsiders of the elites at the moment in current form. Like, yeah. I'd say Tottenham and maybe Atletico are, are teams that are, are performing consistently. And even even them, they're not performing that consistently. As I think, I think there's just a drop in standard in the football in Europe because, like, like yeah. you said in in the, in the in the Serie A, like we're seeing Ibrahimovic top score. Exactly. Like it's mad. Like you know, and and like, like I saw something too. Like like Ryan Sessegnon has he got Player of the Month at Hoffenheim, and he's absolutely flying in the Bundesliga. So 
Like, I always think when I see these players that flop everywhere else and go to Bundesliga and are flying, it's like, how much weight is behind the Bundesliga team? Absolutely. We call it a Bundesliga tax. Yeah, Whatever Bundesliga tax, yeah. The Bundesliga tax and apply it. I don't know what, like, what the quality is. Just, I guess it's just a cycle where the quality probably come back up again in a few years. But we love to see. We love to see. I can't wait next week. I, I want all the chaos. I want an RB Leipzig win. I want everybody to go to Europa. I just want the chaos. Just to see the timeline. Uh, what happens. Jokes on this podcast next week. <laughs> Anyways, my guy. Mm. I, what's happening with the partner? Is Deji doing one later, yeah? Yeah, I think, yeah, that yeah, that you'll be doing it later then. So you're on you're on double shift today. I don't think I'll be free later. Can, so can, you're, can. you're on a double. As long as he on before Jim. Yeah. I yeah. you've been blessed with the highest level of analysis. We are brother. Oh. Yeah. Yeah.